Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Y'all awake? 11 o'clock service, bright and awake. Yeah, we're trying, right? We're still getting there. Well, my name is uh, Pastor Spencer, and I'm the student pastor here at New Community Church. Uh, That means I get to hang out with all the 6th through 12th graders every week. We have a Wednesday night service. Um, And man, the same passion that we have for our church on Sunday mornings, we have for our youth on Wednesday nights. That's making people and places new, just like Alita talked about with addressing Mesquite. And so if you've got a student in the 6th through 12th grade, we want them here on Wednesday nights. Get them here. It's awesome. Um, But today we are continuing our series, Jesus Is. Um, And if you haven't been around for these past couple of weeks, I encourage you, go to the website under resources and listen to the past messages because they are awesome. We've talked about how Jesus is uh, our friend and how Jesus befriended the the outcasts, the fringe people. He hung out with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors and how he was intentional about the people that he hung out with and the people that he discipled. Um, And in the past couple of weeks, Pastor Aaron has talked about uh, how Jesus is grace, how this idea of grace is an unmerited favor uh, that we don't deserve to, to be able to be loved by Jesus or for what he's given, but that he did it because he loves us. And so uh, check those messages out online if you haven't uh, caught them, if you haven't been here. But today we are talking about how Jesus is here. And if you're taking notes, that's the title of the message. You can write that down. There's actually a card in the seat back in front of you if you don't have anything to take notes on. And uh, I encourage you as you're taking notes, I'm going to go through a handful of scriptures today very quickly. So write those down. And then this week, as you're uh, going through your week, you can recall those scriptures, look back on them, and begin to, uh, to really dive in and see what those mean. Because as believers, we know that the Bible is a huge part of our life with Christ, and our walk with Him should be led by what we read in the Bible. So not just that we would know what's in it, but that we would live by what's in the Bible. So as we go on today, we're talking about Jesus is here. And I thought about this as I was getting ready about the idea of what something, uh, when it's here, like there's a presence or it's a position, Right? And our, this past weekend, our staff went on a camping trip. We called it scamping for staff camping. It was very creative. And uh, all of the staff went, and we had the family members of some of our staff go, including Pastor Jason, uh, his wife Genesis, and their daughter Everly. If y'all haven't met Everly, she's like the cutest little thing ever, like two years old. Um, and so we went camping, and it was a beautiful weekend to camp last week, if you didn't notice. And uh, one night, Everly had uh, gone to bed, and all of us were sitting around the campfire doing the one thing you have to do when you go camping. S'mores, that's right. Like, you don't need anything else. You go make s'mores and you went camping. Um, so we're around the campfire. Sun has gone down. Weather's incredible. The moon is out. And we're cooking s'mores around the big fire. Um, and there's something interesting about being outside when, when it's dark and you're out in the middle of nowhere. You start hearing a lot of things that you don't normally hear in the city. Lots of little scurrying feet and all of a sudden the howls of the coyotes and all of this rustle and bustle. And it's a little scary every once in a while, you know, because uh, you don't know what's around the corner. You can't see anything. Um, But we're sitting around the fire. Everly's asleep. And all of a sudden we hear this small voice say, Mommy, Mommy. And I'm assuming you guys, if if you've ever hung around a kid, you know what this sounds like. If you have kids, you, you like... You know what it is even before they say it. You're like already there in the room. But she started to cry out. And I'm not sure what caused it, if it was fear of maybe a noise or, or maybe waking up and going, where the heck am I I'm in the middle of nowhere in a tent, right? Um, but she started to cry out because something was wrong. 
And we can probably all remember a time when we were young that we did something similar. Whether we were scared of the dark or maybe we thought there was monsters under our bed, um, creepy sounds outside, or even if it's just, you know, we're, we don't know where we're at. I remember one time I was at uh, one of the high school stadiums when my sisters were in drill team and I got lost from my parents. And I didn't know where the heck I was. And I started going, Mom, Dad, where are you at? And I was terrified, right? And in that time, even when we're young, we know what to do, whether it's in our weakness, in our failure, in our confusion, or if we're lost, we know that all we have to do is cry out and somebody will come there to help us. Somebody will be there in our situation to make it better, whether it's mom or dad or or whoever it is. And even as a child, we do that. But so often as we grow up and as life goes on and we get older, we, we tend to try to take stuff all on our own. We think we're big enough. We think we're strong enough. And we refuse to cry out for the one that we know is here and the one that can help us. And so today we're going to be looking uh, in the book of John, chapter number 11. If you've got your Bible, you can open that up. If you don't have a Bible, there's actually one under the seat in front of you. That's our gift to you. Like I said, we're passionate about the Bible and living by it and knowing what's in it. And uh, so you can keep that Bible. And we'll be in John chapter 11, which is page 583. If you would just hold your uh, finger on that spot there, we'll get there in a second. But as I was preparing for this morning, I thought about what we could talk about. Because this idea of Jesus being here, um, it's, it's a little bit broad. And so easily I could have just flipped open the Bible and said, okay, where's a miracle? Boom. And we can say, Jesus was there. And everybody goes, ta-da. And it's all happy. And we leave the church and we clap. But... I feel like so often our problem isn't realizing that Jesus was there back then, 2,000 years ago. It's more so that we have trouble believing that he's here with us each and every day. And so today, I don't want us just to focus on the fact that he's here, but the reason why he's here with us. So today, as we look in John chapter number 11, verse 1, we're going to see a story about three siblings. One of them's name is Lazarus, and he's got two older sisters, Martha and Mary, and uh, scholars believe that Martha was the oldest of the three. Mary was the cream of the Oreo. I don't know if we got any cream of the Oreos in here, right? And then Lazarus was the baby brother. Now, I can relate to this. I've got two older sisters. Um, and it's interesting, though, because throughout the Bible, Lazarus is never recorded saying one single word in Scripture. I'm not going to say that was because he had two sisters, but I know that is the fact, that they had plenty to talk about, and he just got pushed to the side. Poor little guy, right? So, in the story, Mary and Martha, they're in this, uh, this time of need, this time where they're a little bit scared, and their brother is actually on his deathbed. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in John chapter number 11, verse 1. And we're just going to read five verses if you want to follow along with me there. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Martha who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard this, he said, The illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we we see here in the story, um, Mary and Martha have a sick brother. And unlike today's age, they didn't have text messaging, emails, FaceTime, all this kind of stuff. They're in two different cities, so... These two sisters have to write a letter to Jesus to compel him to come and save their brother. Now, if that's not hard enough, you've got to know a little bit of context in the story that the town that Mary and Martha were in was a town where Jesus had previously been persecuted. Everybody wanted to kill him the last time he was there. So 
if it's not enough that their brother's dying, they're also in a place where Jesus has been persecuted and it's hard to go back probably. And so uh, I tried to put myself in, his, in their shoes, in Mary Martha's, and I said, what if I had to write a letter to compel Jesus, the Son of God, to come to help me, to come help? If it's my sisters that are in trouble or my family that's sick, what would I write? And I began to think, and, and it's interesting because it's a little different than what Mary and Martha write. I thought maybe I would tell them, um, you know, that, that Lazarus was a really good guy. You know, he was like a model citizen. He loved Jesus. He was, uh, he was upright in everything he did. He went to church on Sundays like he was the man, right? Um, or maybe I would have even offered Jesus some money. Hey, it's an inconvenience. I know you're out of town, so could I give you a little, a uh, couple shekels, and you could come hang out with us, pray, make everything better. Um, that's what I think maybe I would have thought in the moment, but it's very different than what we see Mary and Martha write to Jesus in verse number three. They say this right here. They say, Jesus, the one you love is ill. That's interesting. Um, and I, if you've got your Bible, underline that, highlight it, circle it, put a couple asterisks, whatever you want to do. The one you love is ill. That was their cry. That was their plea. And uh, if you look a little bit more into the history, Jesus actually, besides the disciples, some of his closest friends were this family. That's right. Jesus had friends. He wasn't just like walking on water, son of God. Those are minor details. He had friends. Um, and so we see here that this was something that we knew would touch the heart of Jesus. The accomplishments, the accolades, the, the, uh, the one-ups wasn't what was going to help Jesus be compelled to come. They knew Jesus. They had hung out with him, and they knew that it wasn't their love for him. It wasn't Lazarus' love for Jesus, but it was Jesus' love for them that compelled him, that moved him, and that would urge him to do something about what was going on. Now, uh, it's easy for me to think in my mind that, that Jesus really just came almost as a superhero, right? We as humans, we mess everything up. We're sinful. We make mistakes. So Jesus swooped in to save the day. But, but honestly, I think this is a little bit skewed, and it messes up our perception of Jesus if we look at it this way. Because it wasn't because of what we did or who we are. We can't earn or, or, or do anything to earn the presence of Christ. We can't do anything for Jesus to come. He came because he loved us. Jesus is here because he loves us. And I know so many times I've probably done this exact same thing. I've, I've thought about a relationship with Jesus almost like a bartering system. Hey, Jesus, I went to church, and uh, that guy on the side of the road, I gave him a little bit of money. And, uh, you know, I was really nice to my family. I did everything I was supposed to do. I obeyed the authority. So you think you can help me out? You know, I got this problem. You know, I did this, so will you do that? And so often we approach Jesus like he's a human. Like he doesn't care about us at all, but it's about what he can get out of it. And that's so misconstrued that misconstrued that's not who Jesus is and so um, we can look in first John chapter number four verse nine um, and write that one down you can go back and look at it later first John four nine this shows exactly who Jesus is it says God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we may have eternal life through him this is what real love is it's not something that can be earned, or it's not this conditional thing where I loved you, so you'll love me. Jesus loved us before we could ever even have a chance to love him. This is the gospel message. It's the good news. It's the story of Jesus. And so uh, we see that, that Jesus doesn't just come in and help us. He's not just here because we love him, but because he loves us. And so just like the unmerited grace that Pastor Aaron talked about, how we can't do anything to deserve it, we also can't do anything to deserve the presence of Jesus. He gives it to us freely. 
And this is one of our main points that I want you to focus on today, that Jesus is here with us. Jesus is here with us. And we'll see this throughout the story as we continue with Lazarus and his sisters. But the idea of Jesus being here with us is the idea of him being our comforter. Him being the one there to hold us when things are bad. It says uh, in Psalms 46, it says, He is our refuge and our strength, our help when we are in trouble. Our refuge and our strength. Those are strong words. Um, And we know that Jesus is here with us because it actually says it in Matthew chapter number 28. Uh, This is a very uh, popular or familiar passage for lots of people. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 talks about the Great Commission. Some of you have heard it. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? Go and tell everybody about who Jesus is. Help them to change their lives and then do what we talked about for celebration service. Celebrate it. Baptize people in water. Do great things, right? And then right after that, we see this incredible promise that Jesus leaves with us. Matthew 28, verse 20. It says, and be sure of this. I feel like that's like matter of fact. There should be a couple exclamation points. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the age, to the ends of the days. Every single day, I am going to be with you. I feel like if, if we were there in that time, Jesus would have grabbed somebody by the shoulders and shaken them real fast and said, listen to me. I'm with you. I'm always there with you. I was there with you when you were born. I was there with you when you were in trouble and when you were sick. And guess what? Next week I'll be with you. Next month I'll be with you. For the rest of your life, I'll be with you. I'm with you always is what he says. And he wasn't that just telling that to the disciples 2,000 years ago. He's saying that to you here and now. And that's where sometimes we, we get a little off, off track where we go, well, that's what it said in the Bible, but, but what is it for us Jesus' promise is as good yesterday as it is today and as it will be tomorrow. And we have to take that and know, God, you are working in me. You will be with me every single day. And we have to realize he is here with us. You could insert your name there. He is here with Spencer. He's here with Tyler. He's here with Alita. You could go through every single person and realize that promise is still true today. Jesus is here. When you're having the worst day, when you don't know what to do, he's still going to be there. And that's kind of where Mary and Martha were in their story. They didn't know what to do. Their brother is sick. They're not doctors. Back then, there was was so little doctors could really even do. But what they did was they cried out to the one that they knew was there with them whenever they needed something. And so um, what happens is they cry out, Jesus, come to my brother. The one you love is sick, right? Come to him. And he says something back like, hey, this sickness isn't going to lead to death, blah, blah, blah. That's what he says. But I can imagine in that situation, that's not really going to comfort me. Hey, everything's going to be okay. Really? Because he's dying right here. Do you not know what's happening? Hello? Like, reality check, my brother's dying. I hear what you're saying, but but what I see is a little bit different. Mary and Martha were going through uh, the, the psalm that we've heard of, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? This is that point where we're supposed to fear no evil because we know Jesus is with us. But, but I'm, I'm a little worried that they probably weren't thinking that. And what happens is we go on in the story and we find out Lazarus dies. you got to think Mary and Martha, they, they wrote to Jesus and he said, hey, this isn't going to lead to death. You know, I, I'm Jesus, I'm here with you. But reality is he just died. Jesus, you, you said it's going to be okay. You said you were going to be here with us. Jesus finally shows up four days later, and Mary and Martha, they're, man, I can imagine they're a little bit crazy. Jesus, what are you doing? If you would have been here 
three days earlier, you would have saved our brother. Did you not realize how important this is? You're Jesus. You know everything. You're with us all the time. How could you do this to us? And then we see one of the most, to me, intriguing and also a little bit confusing scriptures, as well as the shortest scripture in all of the Bible. It's in John chapter number 11, verse 35. It says this. It says, then Jesus wept. Then Jesus wept. They cry out to Jesus. Jesus says, hey, it's going to be okay. Lazarus dies. Jesus shows up. Everything is chaos. Sisters are crying. They're, they're confused, and, and Jesus begins to cry. Now, this it's confusing to me because Jesus is God. He knows what's going to happen. He knew Lazarus was going to die, but he also knew what was going to happen in the future. He knew the plans that he had for him. And, and so I feel like, Jesus, Jesus, why are you wasting tears? You know that in your plan, you, you're going to bring Lazarus back to life. Even though he died, you're going to do something. Jesus, why are you crying? Why aren't you telling Mary and Martha, hey, have faith in me. Are you kidding me? I'm here now. You don't think I can do anything? And as we look at that, we realize just how great the love of Christ is. That even when we are in pain, even when we're hurting, even when everything is broken around us, Jesus is there and he has compassion with us. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where maybe a loved one is sick or has passed on or somebody is going through something really hard and, and you've felt that with them. Maybe you've cried with them. That was Jesus, the Son of God, sat and cried with them because of what they were going through. But luckily for us, that's, that's not where the story ends and that's not where the story will be finished for our lives either. It doesn't end in brokenness because we realize that Jesus, when he is here with us, he is everything we need for anything we could ever go through. This idea of being a comforter, this idea of him being our refuge and our strength, he comes in and he wraps us up and he says, I am here with you. Be strong. Know that I'm with you. I'm going to take care of you, not because of what you've done, not because of who you are, but because of who I am. Because of who I think you are, because who I know you are. I created you. You are the one that I love. You are the one that I've got plans for. You're the one that I've created for such a time as this. And so we begin to, to think maybe sometimes in our own lives, well, our sins are too much. What we've done is too far. The same way Mary and Martha thought their brother is dead, we begin to limit who God is and what he can do in our life. But that's when we have to realize that Jesus isn't just here with us. Jesus is for us. Jesus is for us. You can write that down because it's important. In Romans chapter number 8, we see this incredible verse, Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? It, it, throughout Scripture, we see so many different times when we are promised that God is going to fight for us. It says it over and over. All you have to do is be still, is what it says in Exodus. When, when the Israelites are, are trying to fight this huge battle, he says, be still. I will fight for you. Be calm. It's okay. I am here. But so often we... We think that Jesus isn't here with us or for us. We think he's maybe around, but, but why do I always have to go through that? Why does this kind of stuff always happen to me? Why does Jesus pick on me? Why is he testing me? Why is he doing this? We be, begin to get this, uh, this messed up view of Jesus, that he's the big giant God up in heaven with the magnifying glass trying to burn you like a little ant. But if you think that's who Jesus is, and then your idea of Jesus is different than the idea of Jesus that's in the Bible. 
because we've got one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture right here, Jeremiah 29, 11. Write it down, memorize it, whatever you've got to do, live by this. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, Jeremiah 29, 11. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I know you think you've got everything down. I think uh, you think you know what's going on and you think you know who I am. I'm God. I'll tell you what I've got planned. I've got plans for hope. I've got plans for a future, not for disaster, not for chaos. Listen, trust me, I'm here with you always until the end of the age. Don't try to tell God who he is. He knows who he is and he knows who he created you to be. But you have to allow him to be there with you. I just love that. For I know the plans, plans for hope and a future. He wants to make sure that we're going to be able to make it in the same way God had that plan for Lazarus. He had a plan. He had a future despite what Mary and Martha and all the family and everybody thought. Jesus still had it. He was still there. And it's in uh, John eleven forty three. Jesus, he reveals this plan that he has for Lazarus. And he raises him from the dead. Calls him out of this grave. Even though he had been dead for four days, he raises him back to life with three words. He says, Lazarus, come out of there. Come live again. Come breathe. I've got plans for you. I know what I've got for you. And I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm going to fight for you. And just as God had plans for Lazarus, he's got plans for us. Each and every one of us, he's got a plan, despite whether we can see it or not. Because lots of times we get confused by what's in our immediate situation. Lazarus' immediate situation was death in the grave for four days. And Jesus said, listen, nothing, death, life, demons, principalities, nothing in all the world can take away my power and my love that I have for you. I'm here with you. I will fight for you. All you got to do is sit there. You just got to be still. I'm here with you. I'm going to fight for you. So many times we allow whatever situations in our life to dictate whether we believe God is here. Well, the doctor's report said that, so Jesus must not be here for me. Well, I, I lost that loved one, so where's Jesus now? I don't think you've seen my bank account. Uh, Jesus ain't in it, I'll tell you that much. We allow every one of these things to continue to push our idea of who Jesus is further and further away from who he wants to be in our life. Forgetting that he has plans for us. Forgetting that he has a hope and a future, not for disaster, but for greatness. That he's created each and every one of us for a purpose. That he'll always be here with you. He'll always be here for you. And the hardest thing to realize is it's not because of who we are. It's not because of what we've done. And we don't understand that as humans. In our minds, we have to do something to get something. Jesus says, listen, I came so that you don't have to do that. I came to give you eternal life, to give you hope. You don't have to do anything. You have to allow me to be in your life. Allow me to be here with you every single day. When you feel like life is in in shambles, when you feel like your family is going downhill, every one of these little things that we can continue to pile on and say, oh, well, no, Jesus can't be here. He's going, stop, listen. I've got it. I'm here for you, with you. You are the one that I love. That statement right there can change your entire life. 
when you begin to realize that you, your name, whatever it is, insert it right there, you are the one that Jesus loves. You're the reason Jesus came and died on a cross. Even if it was today, even if he knew the sin that you just did in your mind right now, if something you did last week, last year, he would say, guess what? I would die for you again right now because I love you. Because I care about you. Because I've got plans for you. I am here with you and for you. All you have to do is walk with me. Right now, I want to give an opportunity. If there's somebody in this room that doesn't know Christ, I want to just give you that chance. So if you would, everybody in this room, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes. Today, if you're here and maybe you've, you've heard this story, maybe you haven't, maybe you, you know about Jesus or, you know what, it could be the first time you've ever heard of him. And today you'd say, I think I want to start a relationship with him. This Jesus that's here with me, the Jesus that's here for me, I want that Jesus in my life. Today, all you have to do is accept him. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. And I want to give you that opportunity to start that journey and that walk of life with Christ. So if you're in this room today and, and that's you and you want to begin a walk with Christ, you want to begin to allow him into your life, I just want you to stand up wherever you are and come down to the front. I want to pray with you. Give you one more chance. God is speaking to you. Saying, you are the one I love. You may have rejected it before, but I'm still here waiting for you. Right? If there's nobody in the room, you guys can all look up. Today we've got uh, two different things before we finish. And uh, the first thing that we're going to do is we're just going to take a second and reflect on, on what, we're, what we've heard today. And what God is speaking to each and every one of our hearts. In what area of your life have you rejected God and not allowed him to be here with you? We've talked about a couple different examples. Maybe it's your finances. God, there's no way I can do anything else. Have you seen my bills? And we're not allowing him to be with us there. Maybe it's a sickness that we have. Maybe it's in our family. God, there's no way this will ever get any better. It's screwed up and there's nothing we can do. He says, there's something I can do. I'm here with you. Whatever area it is in your life, I want us just to take a couple minutes as the band begins to play. And I want you to think about where you can allow God to be more present in your life so he can change your immediate situation. I asked the band to play this song because uh, this song has done a lot for me in my life. Just this idea of being the one that Jesus loves. There's been a couple times over the past couple of years where I felt like I wasn't worth it. Like I wasn't able to do what God's called me to do. God, how can I, how can I talk to people about you when, when my life is messed up? How can I encourage them? How can I keep pushing forward when nothing else makes sense, when I don't know what I'm doing or where I'm going? And one day I turned this song on. It's actually after a Wednesday night service when I didn't think anything went right. When everything I planned had messed up. And I began listening to the words. I am, I am, I am the one you love. 
and imagining Jesus saying that to me. Listen, you're the one that I love. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. I love you. I'm here with you. And I'm for you. There's nothing that can separate that. This idea, like I said, it it changed the way that I live, the way I pray, the way I interact with people, realizing that, man, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to mess up. But that one truth remains, that he will always be there with us. He's always there for us. And so today, as we, as we close our service, the, the ushers are going to make their way forward, and what we're going to do is we're going to take communion together. And as we, as we think about Jesus being here with us, we're going to take an opportunity to, to remember his sacrifice for us. The sacrifice that he made when he came down to the earth to live this sinful, sinless life in the midst of sin. And he gave his life for us on a cross. What most would consider something to be sad about was really a celebration that he died so that we could have eternal life with him. And so the band is going to continue to play and the ushers are going to bring the elements right up here. And if you would, just as, as you would, just make your way up here. You can pick up the elements and then return to your seat and we'll take these together. You guys can make your way up here. This idea of communion is the idea of remembering Christ and what he's done for us. Who we are to him and the sacrifice that he gave. And uh, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, it says, when you do this, to examine yourself. Examine your heart. And before taking it, to, to really ask God, God, can you check me? Is there anything in my heart that isn't right? Is there anything in my mind that that I need to remove so I can be closer to you? And right now, I just want to give you opportunity. Just close your eyes wherever you're at and take a second with God. God, look. Lord, check our hearts. Lord, 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 Lord. Lord, that we be more like you, Jesus. In Luke 22, Jesus is around uh, the table with his disciples, telling them, I'm about to leave you. I'm going to die. And I want you to remember me in this way. And this is what it says in Luke 22:19. It says, and Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and it gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together. And likewise, after they had eaten, saying, this is the cup that is poured out for you. It's my new covenant. It's my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Today it would be easy to walk away and say, you know what? Jesus is here. I know it. But that's not how we want you guys to leave. Today I feel like the Lord has challenged me to challenge you that this message wouldn't end as you walk out the doors of the church, but it would begin right now, and it would be in every single conversation you have, in your jobs, in your workplaces, with your family, friends, every relationship that you have, that you would begin to realize and live by the fact that Jesus is here, that he is your friend, that he is grace, that he is everything you ever need for anything you could ever go through. And so, if you would, I just want you to stand up, and I want to pray over everybody in this room. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to remember the sacrifice of your son on the cross for us. That he, you sent him to come and die for us so that we could live eternally with you. And Lord, I pray over every person in this room that this week that we would be challenged and encouraged by this idea of you being here with us and the idea of us being the ones that you love. Lord, as we leave, that we would be aware of who you are, that it would be in our conversation, that it would be in our attitude, that it would be in the way that we hold ourselves, the way we walk, the way we talk, and that everything that we do, it would be to glorify you. Lord, help us to know you better. Help us to live more like you each and every day and recognize who you are in our life and who you've called us to be for you. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen.